Hello, everybody. Charles, I think you're gonna have to turn this up in my headphones. I wouldn't have it any other way, buddy. That's the good stuff. That is the good stuff. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming. This is episode three of the Friends of Friends Talking Fantasy. Almost got the name of the show wrong. Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. I am Charles, and with me today is is um, Mr. Dylan. <laughs> yeah, nailed both the name of the podcast and my name. That's right. Um, really exciting episode planned for you guys today, but before we jump into it, let's go ahead and just get rid of some uh, house cleaning items here. Um, we... Listen back to episode two, and uh, we liked it, but there's a few things that we want to kind of change going forwards. Um, I, we both kind of felt like the episode at a minute and an hour and 40 minutes was uh, pretty long. Uh, so we're setting a new uh, objective to have episodes between the 50 minute to 70 minute time frame. That's our uh, sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. I would agree. And I think what's going to help us going forwards also is um, Review of Reviews will be back by popular demand. Um, we will continue to do it. But they're we want to... They're demanding it. And to give it the love and attention it deserves and the, and the time it deserves without feeling like we have to keep it into a 70-minute conversation while also talking about a book that we've just read. We, we are going to separate it, and we're going to spin off Review of Reviews into its own midweek episode that we will record after we finish reading a new book. So we'll read the book, we'll have an episode dedicated to the book, and then we'll have a midweek bonus episode of Review of the Reviews. So that should help space things out, keep runtime short, and uh, have more content for you guys. So I think that's going to be a great way to uh, format the show going forwards. Nailed it. Nailed it. For real that time. Yeah, that was the good stuff. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to clarify from our last episode, episode two, we talked about Mistborn, the final empire. Something really quickly I heard in the in the re-listen of the episode that I had to just address. Uh, we talked about the quote that Vin and Cezed were talking, and Vin said, in context of Kelsier, but we knew him. He was no prophet or god. He was just a man. And then Cezed said, uh, so many of them are, I think. And we were talking about the religious themes, and we were talking about Kelsier's story arc. But what we didn't talk about, that I, the whole reason I picked that quote, was because it was foreshadowing the true nature of the Lord Ruler. So, I got this, it was working on the three levels there, and we just never talked about the foreshadowing elements in, in that quote. And I was frustrated with myself, because that's the whole reason I picked that quote in the first place. So, yes, we... We read that line, and we picked up the foreshadowing. We just got swept away in conversation and forgot to mention it. So that was bothering me. I'm glad I got to air that out. And the last thing is there is indeed a four-year age gap between Vin and Ellen. 
I looked it up. Four <laughs> years. It out, huh? And at the beginning of Final Empire, she is 16 and he is 20. And in the Wells of Ascension, it's two years later, which puts her at 18 and uh, Ellen at 22, which starts to enter the realm of acceptable. It's still a little weird. Four years is not that big of a deal, but I think you got to be like 21 and 25. Is, is It would be a little more acceptable. Anything, anything younger than that, it's... Well, who am I to judge, you know? They're they're in love. They're happy, so good for them. I just wanted to... We weren't sure last time, and we're sure this time. Four years. Yeah, well, that yeah. makes sense. I think she turned 17 during the course of... She does. ...the first book, and I think that makes sense that Ellen may have been 21. I think the, the first book is eight months so we might have been 20 and 21 so we could both be right there charles yeah we could be but uh that's not what this was about this was just about determining the actual age gap which was four years so that does put mr venture at around 20 so i feel like this is about you telling me that he was 20 because i think that's what you said that does happen to be what I said. Yes, my instincts were pretty good on that one, but it is possible that there could be a that this took place in that few months of overlap where there's a, a, not a whole year's difference between their ages. But I, I that wasn't expressed explicitly in uh, in Sanderson's writing, so it's up to it's I'm up to the to reader's interpretation. I'm going to come back with our next episode, and and the, this time it'll actually be on point to the episode's topic <laughs> with a quote because I am I'm feeling pretty confident that it's established that Ellen is 21 at some point. But well, he's no, 21 at some point. <laughs> the two the, years I think it's takes explicitly place. Explicitly mentioned in the in book one, I think that there's a scene where. Vin says that Ellen is twice her age. And during that, uh, like she's joking, of course. Right. But during that scene, I think it's established that Ellen is 21 by that point. It is later in the books. So well, you have to sense. establish that Vin is not, at that point, 17. We'll figure it out <laughs> next episode. I'm Don't just saying, there's a four-year age gap. That I know there, for uh, sure. Yes. At what age they were at certain times in the story, I can't say. That We'll have to go back. Uh, the point is the age gap, and it just so happened that the numbers you present had you as the, the one who's right. That's that's the story of this. That's the story. And also, we're bringing you, the listener, the cold hard facts. You know, I think it's important that we don't leave our listeners wondering what the age gap of Vin and Ellen is. I think it's important that they know that it's a four-year age gap and that Vin, at the beginning, when they first met each other, Vin was 16 years old. I think those are important facts. And Ellen in his 20s. Creepy. <laughs> yes. And so is that the kind of guy I'd want to marry? I don't think so. But but it was the kind of guy that Romy wanted to marry. Yes. And, you know, I you know, I think we um, assessed Romy's review accurately in those respects. So, Charles, one more thing I want to mention. 
is from Romy's review. I I think she says that she buddy read a review. Yes. And she buddy read the book. Not a review. Buddy read. Yeah, we buddy read a review. We did. She buddy read the book with. She linked to the. She said with this girl and linked to another account. I feel like mm-hmm. what you and I are doing when we go over the books, I feel like we're buddy reading. We are buddy reading. Yeah, we are. You know, we're reading the book in tandem with the purpose of discussing it later. I would I would call that buddy reading. And we're buddies. Yeah, and we are buddies and we're reading books. It's um yeah. I knew I I did like that about her review. You know, that was a positive for me. And that was reflected in my final ruling of that review. The your two star Oh no, wait. I think <laughs> you gave that one 3. I don't you know who's to say what I gave it. At the time, it was good. It was accurate. Um, yeah, look for Charles to come back during our next podcast to clarify that one. Dude I don't know. You can just go back and listen to the episode to clarify it. The review was rock, yes. was pretty rock solid. True. All right. Well, today's conversation, let's just jump right into it. Today, we are talking about characters, fantasy characters, fantasy characters that we like, that we like a lot. That is wow. the conversation for today. We're talking about some of our favorite characters in fantasy nailed it i thank you i'm really excited to get into this so i I think we should do this but i think we should just trade off so we each picked three characters you know we challenged ourselves with the question um marsh you want to kind of remind us of what that question was the it was your idea broad strokes question was what do you look for in characters and then we sought to find just three characters apiece that exemplify what we like about characters. And it was a hard exercise for me anyway. I yes. imagine it was hard for you. Yes. It's a lot of pressure to pick like your top three just characters across all of fantasy. It's it's an almost an impossible task, but we can get it's a that. huge ask. Yeah. And I, I think part of what had to happen was just picking what seemed to fit with exemplifying what we want to exemplify and knowing that there's gonna be some characters that we both love that don't make the list. Yeah, don't think of it as like a top six. Just think of it as Characters that masterfully uh, reflect an example of something that we appreciate in characters. Yeah. I think, uh, would you do us the honors of naming your first character? Oh, yeah. Well, do you want me to get into a little of how I was thinking about the question of what yeah I so i think maybe with when we announce each character we'll re-answer the question at the top so when it's okay you're now that's your turn what do you look for in a character you answer it in the context of this character and then you reveal the character and then we discuss all right well i want to be able to get across i, I do have a theme 
that goes across my characters and that is that I tend to enjoy morally gray characters. I find if you give me just a straightforward hero who's a paragon of moral virtue, then I'm probably going to get bored with that person. I think that if right. you, yeah, if you give me someone who toes that line, you're not really sure if they're, they're a good person or a bad person, then I think it gives us a chance to explore human nature better because, you know, none of us are perfect. And uh, I think most of us exist uh, more along those gray lines anyway. We all have capability for good and capability for bad. And I think that a character that shows this really well is Logan Nine Fingers. Yeah, from... no, no surprise that you picked him right off the bat. <laughs> yes, so Logan's probably, I know we're not thinking about this as rankings, but if I had to, Logan Nine Fingers from the first Law series by Joe Abercrombie would probably be my number one favorite character. And uh, I think Joe Abercrombie does characters extremely well. I probably could have filled this thing out with uh, exclusively Joe Abercrombie characters. But right. I refrained. Gotta get some uh, variety in there. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I Trust me, I know your ability to, to just um, fill the conversation with uh, Abercrombie-isms. <laughs> yes. And I think one of the things that comes up for me with Logan Ninefingers, and maybe this moves a little bit away from the morally gray aspect of it, but something very unique about this character for me is this is a, a character that changed my life. Also something I like about characters. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's a strong case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's rare, I would say, that you leave a, a book of fiction really feeling like it's going to significantly influence your life. But I'd say Logan's adages that he throws around his little, little truisms. So uh, I'm, I'm so you must have some prepared of like some of these isms because you, what you make the, you should say he changed your life. I mean, that yes. is such a huge statement. And I would just love to kind of get into more of the specifics of what exactly, because I agree. I think Logan Ninefingers is an amazing character and he's definitely deserving to be at the top of anyone's fantasy characters list. But I'm more curious about the personal connection that you have with the, with Mr. Ninefingers. For sure. Well, I, I would say the primary way that he's changed my life is one quote that has stuck with me ever since I read it. It's something he says over and over again, which is, once you've got a task to do, it's better to do it than live with the fear of it. Mm. And that is just absolutely <laughs> beautiful. And I was, I'm in academia, I'm pursuing my PhD right now, and I, for a very long time, still sometimes, but I've gotten a lot better, er, have dealt with procrastinating and I would always just pull these all-nighters last minute to try to get things done. And I read this quote and I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear because <laughs> when I was procrastinating, I was like afraid of it. I was trying to avoid it and I was doing something instead and I wasn't enjoying the things I was doing. And I think Logan says, look, you got to do this thing. You know that. Might as well just do it. And honestly, it's it's changed my life because I, I'm way more on top of things. And I, it's like a mantra for me. It goes through my head when I'm 
about to work on something, I think, look, once you got a task to do, it's better to do it than live with the fear of it. So that's one of the things, like, what makes Logan Ninefinger such a beautiful character is that he's, his, like, this whole idea of a character that that is this barbarian philosopher. He, he makes these simple yet profound assessments of life like throughout the whole book and he'll repeat some of them over and over again and you're like yeah this guy for better or worse has it together it's these simple isms that he utters that are so simple and yet so like like i said so profound it it's makes him a really really interesting character and then you combine that with his with his past he's such a complicated guy like he he's philosophical and he's usually pretty well-mannered but he has a long past of being this total brute and being totally violent and and um angry so and he still has that like he would still break into these violent outbursts so i think what adds to his um his depth is not only his ability to like be a profound philosopher while still also being a barbarian, but he's also has this complicated past and that he's still working on throughout the series and throughout the, uh, the first law book at least. And he, it's just such a fascinating character to read. It's so unique. And like one of the best things of those books is Logan nine fingers, the character by far. So really it's a great pick for sure. Thanks. <laughs> I think, thank you for getting across to that, idea of Logan Ninefingers as this barbarian philosopher, basically, but he's got these concise statements that he gets across that you're like, yeah, that that is so true. If I tried to say that, it would take me hours to try to get that across. I would be speaking in paragraphs, not in a simple phrase like that. And Logan is better than anyone at getting right. that across it's he's also so this good. really interesting like throughout the book he he's often put into these like fish out of water scenarios too like when he goes into the city for the first time and he sees all the like i remember like it's been years since i've read the books but i remember a moment where he's in one of the main cities and he sees all these pipes and tubes and he's trying to imagine the like that it's was it that it was poop going through them and he was, it was like <laughs> it was like shocking him speechless to think about like all the pipe systems going on in that book yeah there's some <laughs> great scenes doing that so i want to make sure i get to uh, some of what i like about the morally gray aspects of logan sure which are that he so he's got those truisms i think that they they have a dark side though that you can see how in a lot of ways he uses them to justify some choices that uh, he's made in the past and continues to make i think he's a character that uh, you can think and i'm gonna give a little bit of a spoiler uh here but if you've read the first book the blade itself of the first law series and you're all good uh, he has this split personality really where he's got uh, the bloody nine who is Mm -hmm almost like he's going to rage mode or he is even like possessed by a demon or something, but this incredibly violent, uh, almost entirely different personality. You can see all the prose changes and everything like that, where all the bloody nine cares about is uh, 
murder and you can see this just shift it's logan can't even remember it Mm -hmm. and what you're dealing with there is i think because we see this more mild-mannered good person seeming logan early on in the series the bloody nine comes out and we say oh he keeps talking about this bloody awful past all that stuff must have been the bloody nine doing that and this guy logan that i've learned to love is just a good guy and (laughs) i think that abercrombie actually uses that to lull you into a false sense of security with logan so you can say oh he is a good guy and then he's on this like redemption arc you know that's what you think he's doing like he has a violent background then he's making good on his past kind of throughout yeah and you see times where he he's got this other adage which is uh, you have to be realistic about these things he says that all the time this is called for pragmatism when he's in these rough situations and uh, there's a time in before they're hanged which is a second book where he says a choice between killing and dying is no choice at all you have to be realistic about these things and, <laughs> right uh, i think that does make sense right i i feel a lot of people would rather kill than die but if you take a step back from that you see wait that is actually a choice there and there are people who would rather die than kill someone but logan just says oh you gotta be realistic about these things and he does what he sees as needs to be done and i think he's got some parts of logan nine fingers himself that you can't attribute all the the bad to the bloody nine oh well yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. I, I always knew you had a uh, sort of a, affinity towards morally gray characters, and certainly Logan's character gets more complicated as we start to fall in love with him. I think Abercrombie picks great moments um, in the pacing of the story to add these kind of conflicting moments of Logan Ninefingers where he becomes the Bloody Nine. Uh, but I, I, was, I, was, I know we originally planned to alternate choosing characters but i think we should just stick on this this theme of yours and just go straight through all of your characters i think it's um i think we're on an interesting track you want to just do the next one yeah i'll keep it rolling keep it rolling well my next character is one that you you probably don't know as well as you know logan nine fingers because he's from a book series you haven't read yet okay uh, i'm going to in part use this as a pitch to see if i can get you to read The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch, uh, one that uh, you're very yes. well acquainted with. Yes. It's on but my you, list to read, yeah. but when I first started picking fantasy books to read, I didn't want to read anything that wasn't finished. I didn't want a Game of Thrones situation where I'm waiting years and years for the next book. But this has been at the top of my reading list for so long. I'm curious to uh, hear more about. So did you pick Locke Lamora then? That's the character, right? I did pick Locke Lamora. (laughs) That's the one character I know. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it again, Charles. (laughs) So (laughs) I think uh, I I have a a quote about Locke Lamora, and uh, I want to introduce him with it, which is, uh, someday Locke Lamora, he said, and he is Father Chains, which is Locke's mentor character in this, uh, someday you're going to fuck up so magnificently, so ambitiously, so overwhelmingly that the sky will light up and the moons will spin and the gods themselves will shit comets with glee. And I just hope I'm still around to see it. 
oh, please, said Locke, it'll never happen. <laughs> and that's in the first book, Lies Locke Lamora. And I think... Sounds like a very uh, cocky individual. Yes. I love these rogue-type characters. Every time mm. I play Dungeons & Dragons, I've gotten right for playing as the rogue. I love his smarmy, too clever for his own good attitude, which is just Locke Lamora is the quintessential example of, uh, for me anyway, uh, these roguelike characters. He's funny, he's clever, and he's uh, arrogant. And I, I think uh, he's also, as the hero or maybe anti-hero of this book, uh, he's actually got... Uh, some really good parts to him too so uh, you get to see him really walk that line of uh, being morally gray he's got this amazing friendship with one of the other characters jean tannin and uh, they they play off each other extremely well and and their care for each other his care for the the whole crew in that book it's a thieving crew that uh, cons people and uh, his care for all of them is is really amazing too. So I absolutely love that character, and it's got he and the book overall all have amazing dialogue, and I absolutely love good witty dialogue. So how does a character like because that that quote you read it sounds a lot like something that maybe Kelsier would say. From uh, from the Mistborn series that we're reading, in what ways does like because I wouldn't consider Kelsier to be a, like a rogue character per se, and he's certainly not that profane, but they do seem to share that kind of swagger. I think well, Kelsier's I we didn't cover this in Mistborn. Kelsier's my favorite character in Mistborn, <laughs> and I think also you get to I, we didn't get to talk about it last time, but. Kelsier, one of my notes when I was reading it was, Kelsier's a bad, bad man. <laughs> he's, he's not great. <laughs> uh, Kelsier goes around killing uh, nobles just because they're nobles. He's, uh, he's a pretty bad dude. And I think uh, what, what you see about Locke, I think that, that makes him a rogue where Kelsier, I don't know, I guess he's Kelsier's leading a, a thieving crew, but he never feels quite like the rogue archetype. Yeah, I guess he's set. He's so against pure evil of the, and he's so likable and, and charming as a person that it's kind of hard to think of him as a rogue. Well, I think that's part of the rogue appeal, and I think you see that with Locke too. Is that it, you almost overlook some of these awful things that they do because they've got this charm and this charisma. I think Kelsier does have that. I think he's maybe he's like. He's almost too powerful is what makes him not seem like a rogue. The rogue character doesn't usually have magic powers, <laughs> right? I would say. So I think you start to fit him in. He's, he's almost like a superhero. And, and he's also a mentor. So I think there's a lot of things you don't think of when you think of a typical rogue. But yeah. Locke is, I would say, the go-to example in the fantasy genre if you like rogues. And I absolutely do. That's awesome. You know, I, I'm excited to read it, and I think we should read it soon. It's It's been at the top of my list for years. There's only one more book left in that series, right? Or am I going crazy? Is that? 
no, there's there's more. There's planned to be substantially uh, more. And and I I get I know you're big on wanting to read series once all the books are out, and I think that's totally valid, especially with a a guy who's made some money off of his uh, uh, books already, so you don't feel like you have to buy it to to keep this guy going or anything like that. Right. I think uh, that it makes sense, but especially his first book, Lies Lock Lamora, I would say there's three so far, and it, I hate to say this, but it, it does get progressively worse. It's still good, but the first book is one of my favorite books in all fantasy, so it goes wow. from maybe an A+, plus to then the next one's A-, minus, B+, plus, and then the one after that's BB minus. So I, <laughs> Man, I, I just got to get over my rules and, and read some of these books because uh, I don't know how we can carry on with a fantasy podcast if I haven't read some of these <laughs> lies of Locke Lamora being at the top. Well, you know, that's one of my ulterior motives in <laughs> this podcast. There's a whole ploy <laughs> to get me to read this so we can talk yes. about it. <laughs> well, well, that's a, that's a good play. I, I'd be okay with that. Uh, we'll, well, well, I'm sure we'll read it soon, but um, I guess that only leaves one character left for you. I'm curious to to kind of hear why you picked this last one. We're rolling right through this. Well, We're this rolling. last one holds a special place in my heart. I would call this character my first favorite character in fantasy. Wow. And that's, uh, she needs no introduction but it's Arya Stark from ah. A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones. I, I was I was one I knew you were going to pick a Game of Thrones character and for a while I was wondering which one you would actually pick. Um, I'm here I'm curious to hear your case for Arya specifically over just a completely star-studded amazing cast of characters in Ice and Song of Ice and Fire. It's so hard and I definitely felt if I the more I thought about it, the more confused I was trying to pick someone from <laughs> this star-studded cast. I mean, George R. R. Martin also writes incredible characters with depth. So he, of course, bounces the Morley Gray line. I think Jamie Lannister comes to mind as one of the key characters that George does extremely well. That Morley Gray, uh, he's got some roguish uh, aspects to him, too, in his smarminess. But... I I went for Arya because I, I wasn't going to overthink it all said and done. I went with the character that when I first started watching Game of Thrones, you'll remember this way back, uh, I guess in between the third and fourth season, I picked it up. And I, I really, really like Arya. And uh, I think she's... What appeals to me m- most about Arya, especially in those early few seasons or books, depending on how you're doing this, is uh, she, you can tell she's someone who, at her core, is a well-meaning person. She cares about things like justice and truth. She's always calling Sansa a liar. And uh, she she wants things to be right. And you get to see as, as she experiences the awful world that is Westeros in, in terms of <laughs> obviously an amazing world from a world building perspective, a rough right. world from a living in it perspective. 
and <laughs> she has to deal with some terrible, terrible things. And I'll, I'll give a little Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones spoiler. I think most of our fans have probably read or watched this in some format. Uh, when uh, Ned Stark, her father, dies, that's obviously this really traumatizing moment, and she uh, has to go through a ton. And I grabbed a quote from when she's talking to Yorin. You remember Yorin? Yes. That's uh, the guy from the Night's Watch who's trying to take Arya uh, to the wall. Uh, he uh, He's having this conversation with her, and she just says, I wish I was home, she said miserably. She tried so hard to be brave, to be fierce as a wolverine and all, but sometimes she felt she was just a little girl after all. So Arya, mm. she's going through this transformation, is becoming more and more badass and she is uh, dealing with all these horrible things and she's realizing hey i have to be violent basically to make it through this world and uh, you get to watch her mold and be changed by the characters around her yorn included of course the hound is another character that molds her but what i what i really like and i think this is not to go off too hard but i think this is a place where the show started to go awry in the later seasons with this character of Arya is uh, underneath it all there's this like scared little girl who's been traumatized by this world and, and really wants to do good and I think that's what always most appealed to me is as you see her right. try to manage all this I mean I think Arya Stark is a good pick especially for you like it's so interesting you started the top of this with the conversation of like gray characters. And for me, like Song of Ice and Fire is like gray characters, the series. Like <laughs> every single character has done shitty things as well as good things. There's no like clear good guy. And that's kind of the point of the whole show. So it doesn't surprise me that your first love has gone on to influence like your future picks. And then I would say Arya is definitely one of the more roguelike characters in that whole series, especially on the TV show. They like made her full on full on rogue character. So Arya is a great pick. And I agree. What makes her so interesting is her kind of quest to have, to just to kind of earn her independence and also, you know, become powerful to it's what starts off as revenge, but then turns into this idea of just finding her own identity and gaining her independence, which I love characters that are just trying to make their way and, and that, that don't get too bogged down in the, in the BS of things like politics and, and like, you know, side emotions and, and things like that. And I, I really appreciate Arya for going out and doing her own thing. And her story gets so far removed from everyone else's characters. And to watch that parallel with Sansa, who kind of stuck with her upbringing and like went through the whole ringer of politics and everything to like read them back and forth. You're like, man, Arya had it right that whole time. <laughs> like, Cause I feel like Sansa and Arya are like two like parallel universes of the same character, right? It's like, what if they stayed? What if they left kind of situation? And you can kind of see um, just like how different their lives took them. And I think that's what made Arya like one of the more interesting characters. She kind of didn't fit that, that formula of, oh, like, 
noble young girl who's good at knitting and wants to marry the prince. It's like, no, she wants to sword fight and she wants to, you know, get into fights and protect people and, and, and travel the world. And it was just a really interesting kind of parallel. Yeah. And you mentioned independence and autonomy as, as something that uh, in, in the end of, think all of game of thrones is where she ends up and i'm i'm a believer that the way that game of thrones the show ends is the way that a song of ice and fire will generally end in terms of how the character arcs end uh, right i know that's not proven anywhere or anything <laughs> like that but i i do believe that that's probably where Arya ends up in a song of ice and fire the book series uh, and i think what happens with the the show where it, a lot of people didn't like or understand that ending is that Arya just goes full on badass <laughs> with no emotions at a certain point in the show. Right. And then when all of a sudden she's like, oh, I, I guess I actually don't care about killing the queen. I'm going to go travel on a boat because the hound told me it's like i think that if you stick to this idea that really underlying aria is and underlying this callousness that she's displaying is this uh, scared girl then i think you have a much better story and i think the show did it neglected that side of aria because everyone's like aria's so badass she's going around killing people and i think what's cool about aria early on in the show and uh still in the book series i would say is uh, that she's a real person underlying all of that and i i think if you maintain that and you still end up getting to this place where she is like wait no that, that's not what all this is about. What is the point of getting vengeance? That's not going to bring anyone back. Right. Then we, we have a more satisfying conclusion to her arc. So I'm hopeful that in the <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that George won't write her saying, what's west of Westeros? Right before she leaves. <laughs> I'm hoping I don't she mind says that that much. <laughs> I'm hoping it's been memed. I hope she's um, uh, going to say something a little more um, insightful than that. <laughs> Like, she had some rough dialogue. What's that east season. of Essos? <laughs> <laughs> I know what a murderer looks like. Oh God, let's not get yeah. into it. But uh, no, she's a great character. Uh, Maisie Williams did a great job. Oh, so great playing her. Like I can't see a Arya any other way except how Maisie Williams portrayed her in the show. It's just so brilliant. Amazing. Well, I know we we chatted briefly off the air are we on the air is that how i should refer to it uh, that's fine <laughs> on the air off the air off the record chat, <laughs> off well i'm finally being on the record we chat a little <laughs> bit about the idea what if we were casting mistborn something that we're inspired a little bit because the legendarium podcast uh talked some of, uh, about that and right. uh, uh we were very much in agreement that Maisie Williams would make a great Vin. She would, um, because of this, you know, 
really similar characters, like strong, young, slim build, build, black haired <laughs> women. I think she would fit the bill for sure. She's definitely got the looks. Well, <laughs> so. Well, I was thinking that she does a good job playing this really good fighter as a young girl and and you buy into it so i think that uh, she finds a way to be intimidating while being just tiny which is exactly what you need out of vid exactly well stated sir so that's it that's your um roguelike gray morality characters for you it's a great list I I'm love smiling Logan. over here because I I didn't know that I'd have this much fun talking about it, but I I'm realizing that asking me to just talk about three of my favorite characters in fantasy is <laughs> super awesome. I know, I know these characters are so great, and it makes me want to reread because it's been so many years since I've read Logan Nine Fingers, and my like you bringing <laughs> back all these things, like that character was so good, like so epic, Amazing. and. Uh, I'm I'm excited to now go into my three characters. So I would say like this was first of all this episode was your idea and when you first pitched it to me I was like oh god like I have no idea how to answer this question like who are my favorite <laughs> characters in all of fantasy like it's an impossible t- I was very intimidated by the task and especially going on record on this podcast as listing three of my favorites is very daunting but especially when there's over 600 point of view characters in malazan <laughs> i know i know who's who am i gonna pick in malazan there's so many choices i'm uh, expecting at least two out of the three <laughs> yeah it was tough man it was tough but i did kind of approach it as like the, the question helped of what do you look for in a character? And I think my three characters represent, like, whereas yours were very clearly all very similar, this gray morality, roguelike kind of universe. Uh, mine are, I think, three very different kinds of characters, but I think they're really strong examples. And I'm going to lead this off in a very ambitious uh, pick, and uh, this pick is in the Lord of the Rings, just like you had to talk about um, Game of Thrones yeah, and, and Joe Abercrombie. I had to talk about Lord of the Rings, and I could have easily filled this list with all Lord of the Rings characters, but I was <laughs> like, you know what? I should pick one, just one that really stands out to me. And it was tough because there's, there's just so many epic characters in that show, but I went for what I would consider the Colts pick, but, you know, he's gotten a lot more traction now. I think everyone kind of recognizes this character as one of the best characters and certainly one of the most appreciated characters, and that character is Samwise Gamgee. Yes, friends, I picked him over Aragon, over Gandalf, (laughs) over Frodo, over Legolas, Samwise Gamgee. And... It wasn't that hard of a pick for me because while while Aragon and Gandalf and all these characters are like obviously super epic and super popular, like Samwise for me wasn't 
he, he kind of grew on me, you know, like when you watch the movies and read the books, you're like, man, Legolas is badass, dude. He's, he's, he's shooting these arrows off. He's so cool. And like, oh, Aragorn's killing all these, he's like fighting ring race with a flaming sword. That's badass. But you're forgetting that this whole time, like those characters are kind of built up to be like these superhero, do no wrong, epic lineage, totally like indestructible characters. But it's the hobbits that have that are kind of like you kind of put your personality into because they're the ones that are leaving their homes and and facing danger and have no special skills whatsoever <laughs> except they're um, just like us exactly just at least i related to that in a very <laughs> strong way um and so what do what do i look for in a character that made me pick sam is is an easy enough question it's definitely this idea of having a poetic metaphor to your story arc like every character every main character is going to go through this long arc in a book or in a series and for me it's like when the moment comes towards the end where you've been with this character for so long it's when he finally kind of fulfills his arc and it happens in a way that's that's borderline poetry and that's why i love lord of the rings so much and i can see why Lord of the Rings didn't make the cut for you. One, because you didn't read the books. But two, because when you're pitching these gray morality characters, none of the characters in Lord of the Rings, except maybe the one you will, will probably would pick, which is um, uh, Schmeagol, Gollum, <laughs> a literally gray character that, you would, that I would see you picking, um, is, he, which you could argue is, you know, he, he switches well, back and forth. But Charles, I don't know if you remember though, when we watched those movies together before our New Zealand trip, I did say that Gollum was my favorite character. <laughs> I do kind of, I kind of remember yeah. making that joke. Like, of course, you pick the gray character, the literally gray character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Once I mean, I Gollum's a great was... character, also. Like all your characters are epic, but like Gollum was topping the list for me, also. But I instead chose sam and i chose sam because to me this idea of good versus evil has since lord of the rings has been played out to the point where now these gray edgy characters even exist i think it was kind of built on the established characters Mm -hmm. in written in lord of the rings right so this idea of like true good and true evil but what makes sam so interesting to me is that he had such these humble beginnings and he faced these like he faced these challenges that were far greater and and more terrible than he should have ever had to face in his life and not only did he face them but he faced them in a way that most of the other characters on the show never could he he fl- he flipping like fought a giant spider and then stormed a tower <laughs> inside um inside of fucking Mount Doom and then he took the ring from Frodo and then gave it back the most terrible temptation in the world is the ring and the fact that he was able to to give it back to Frodo is such a beautiful moment and then at the end when he literally carries him up from up the last part of mount doom and into the fires it's just a such a we know how hard a journey that is and as someone who has climbed mount doom i've been there i couldn't imagine carrying someone would you carry 
Yeah, Charles, could you imagine if when we're nearing the peak, you you just had to carry me the rest of the way? <laughs> I can't carry it for you, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. <laughs> I imagine <laughs> that would be uh, the trail mix. <laughs> Is the ring in the <laughs> I can't carry it for you. Yeah, our cranberry cashew trail mix, because we're fancy. Cranberry delight. Cranberry delight, yes. Yeah, Man, that was good never shit. forget that. And that was uh, <laughs> yeah but, so. i so i i think that sam's an, an awesome pick obviously i think it's something that distinguishes uh, our tastes pretty well is i i think you you pick the character that best represents the, the i think a person with heroic character traits Maybe mm-hmm. not heroic abilities or anything like that, but person when you look at the Lord of the Rings and you look at fantasy more generally, just becomes very clearly a hero, a heroic person. He and is the most heroic, just by his actions and by the evil that he had to face with yes. the humble beginnings that he had. And you can make that case for all of the hobbits. They kind of all represent that same thing. But just the fact that Sam was the loyal friend to Frodo. Frodo was the star. You know, he was carrying the ring and that burden and he's kind of grouchy. And, <laughs> and Sam was keeping him up and moving. It was a very selfless um act and then when he thought frodo was dead and he and he took over the ring the responsibility of ring bearer and still like tried to do right by frodo and went back and 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 figured out he was alive and fought for him it was truly a a touching moment and i think the whole point of lord of the rings is to kind of get back to that idea of camaraderie and of friendship and i think a lot of tolkien's inspiration for writing these stories is rooted in in sam and frodo's friendship so i think sam really drives the spirit of the books and that's just such an amazing character and at, at the end of the books we he gets some of the best lines like i could read some of these quotes but they're so long but they're so epic just google samwise gamji quotes and just uh, <laughs> kind of bask in that poetry but it's um really just a really special character so that's why i chose him and like another thing for me about lord of the rings and what i think modern fantasy has taken such a departure it's like gandalf and legolas and aragon it's like they all have these like super epic weapons and they're all lineage of super important people and they have all these great powers and it's and they do no wrong and everybody loves them and they get into all these crazy adventures and they interact with all the most important people in the world. And it's like, okay, like we get it. They're super epic. It's, it's just nice to see um, a more humble character go through similar features. And a little fun fact about Sam, he had, after he came back, spoilers, they throw the ring into Mount Doom and he goes home. He had 13 kids and was mayor of the Shire for seven consecutive seven-year terms. Did you know Wow. I didn't know that. I would lo- I mean that would be interesting. You got to have some balls to run against Samwise Gamgee for mayor <laughs> on his like sixth <laughs> term. It's just like you is not possible. <laughs> Do you know if he ran for an eighth 
term, or did he decide not to run after seven? I don't know, but I would imagine that the dude was unbeatable and he just retired. That would be my guess, yeah. but I honestly don't know. So that was my first pick, and that's my only Lord of the Rings pick, although I could have easily filled them with Lord of the Rings characters. My next one, of course, now is a Game of Thrones pick. So not a wholly original list here, but I mean, they're I'm picking them for a reason. All these characters are it's the best works. It's, they're hard to beat. Um, I feel safe in these picks also. So, uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones does yeah, just, feel pretty just tr- safe. I don't think you're going to get a lot of backlash. <laughs> just try and debate me. These are fair. And while I think Arya is a good pick, I think there's a character that's just vastly better <laughs> in wow, terms of I know it's get competitive in here <laughs> it's not i you make a good case for aria and i think that was a good pick for your list of characters and your approach but what do i look for in a character going back to that question and another thing that i love in characters is their their intrigue their complications then their engaging relationship dynamics and when characters have these interesting, compelling dynamics, it just brings so much life to the narrative, and all of a sudden you're reading the book a lot faster, and you're burning through pages, and there's plenty of chapters in Game of Thrones that move slower than others. So, But every time this character's cap- chapters come up, the page is just always burned by, and this character is none other than, of course, you know him, you love him, Tyrion Lannister. I thought it. you were gonna pick Tyrion Lannister. I really <laughs> did. I I was I was almost was not gonna close. pick it because I was like, Dylan's gonna pick it. So, but then I checked you. I was like, dude, are you picking Tyrion? And you said you were. Th- <laughs> he's like, he's like, I. We had this conversation. He's like, well, who's gonna you do it? Me in the middle of overthinking. <laughs> because you were like, who's gonna do it? You know, someone's got to do it. But we were trying to find room for him. Um, you wanted to do Arya Stark, so I was like, okay, that's fair. There's really no other character I would want to do. Except maybe another character, uh, um, Tywin Lannister. But the reason oh. I picked Tyrion is because of his relationship with Tywin. Those yes. early back and forths are so amazing. I- I'll never forget when I was reading um, the first book, Game of Thrones, and like right in the beginning, um, Tyrion and John are talking, and Tyrion just drops this. You know, John's being like, "Oh, I'm a bastard. Oh, nobody likes me." And then T- Tyrion. <laughs> Uh, Tyrion drops this line. He's like, "All dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes," and I was like, "Oh so my good. god, this character is amazing! Character is amazing!" And so already he's got my interest level right. Like, he's already a unique character, being a dwarf, and you give him this huge level of intellect and this huge personality, and he's dropping all the best lines in the series by far. Like you can. It was no surprise to me when I found out later that it was George's favorite character and the one he channels a lot of his own personality through. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. This character has that layer to him that is so unique and special that it had to just come right out of the author. And I get a lot of that reading Tyrion. And when I'm going back to this engaging relationship dynamic, like, oh my God, Tyrion and and Tywin is such a brilliant pairing you know and i'm gonna parallel it to what we're reading in mistborn but there's an amazing 
a uh, couple quotes I'm going to read really quickly. There's the one where um, Tyrion is on trial in King's Landing, which is so good. And Tywin's holding court. And Tyrion's like, I'm guilty of far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. And then Tywin goes, you're not on trial for being a dwarf. And Tyrion goes, oh, yes, I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. So which good. is another amazing line. And then I think earlier on, there's another Tywin-Tyrion relationship where I think um, Tyrion's like, yo, you're going to give me Casterly Rock when it's when it's time? And Tywin just drops this amazing line. He's like, you're an ill-made, spiteful little creature, full of envy, lust, and low cunning. Man's law gives you the right to bear my name and display my colors, since I cannot prove that you are not mine. And to teach me humility, the gods have condemned me to watch you waddle about wearing that proud lion that was my father's sigil and his father's before him. But neither gods nor men will ever compel me to let you turn Casterly Rock into your whorehouse. Bro. Wow. I read that. And then, like, to be reading um, Wells of Ascension with Ellen talking to his father, <laughs> I'm like, not even in the same stratosphere. Like, it's a similar relationship dynamic where the father and son hate each other and the son is kind of rebelling by acting out and trying to... They Then, then it gets to the point where they try and play politics with each other. But, I mean, that dialogue is unbelievable. And Oh, yeah. I mean... George just writes these lines that Waddle I mean, about. stop you. <laughs> I love that. Just stop you dead in your tracks. And just hearing, it's been a little while since I heard that Tyrant quote. So good. I also picked out a Tyrion quote when we we're exchanging those texts. <laughs> Drop it on me. We're in the Tyrion yeah. segment. So I think this <laughs> this actually immediately precedes the all dwarves are bastards and their father's eyes quote, which is, he's talking to John, uh, John Snow. Oh, never forget what you are, for surely the world will not make it your strength, then it can never be your weakness. Arm yourself in it and it will never be used to hurt you. And that That's is another great line. Dynamite. I... I mean, there's, especially early on in, in Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire, there are just these lines that it's like, holy crap, I cannot <laughs> believe you just dropped that. And uh, Tyrion has a bunch of them. And I'm so glad you talked about his relationship with Tywin because the best that is part one of the most amazing series. dynamics in yeah, I would I would I would probably pick Tywin as my favorite character if Tyrion did not exist, you know. But that's the whole thing. Like their relationship drives so much of the early story, and I, I love it so much. And you can relate some of Tyrion, like, like Tyrion to Logan, in that they have these kind of isms that they drop that set the tone of the whole series. You know, like Logan drops those pretty awesome. Um, philosophies and Tyrion's not afraid to philosophize on crazy stuff all the time so those yeah. kinds of characters the postulating ones do tend to um, be more interesting than say like the straight hero or the straight villain who doesn't kind of challenge their own thoughts and and get For into sure. these kind of debates with themselves these philosophical debates and like Tyrion fits well with I almost went with him because he totally could have fit well with the morally 
gray characters sure. that I was uh, And even for. like the self-preservation rogue-like kind of aspects of him. And also he gets a little bit into that charming aspect that rogues have too. Yes. Like he does dip into all of that, but he's injected so much with his own personality that it's hard to put him into any kind of a trope. He's his own character for sure. I, I think there's some honorable mentions in terms of Tyrion having great relationships with others that I think Tywin's number one, but we'd be remiss not to mention how great his relationship is with Varys, for one. I mean, talking about philosophizing when those two are talking about power and Varys is... Uh, giving his uh, mummer's trick speech about power i don't have that one in front of me but uh, they basically says that uh, power resides where i think men think it resides is how it goes and it's uh, such a great exchange those two have an amazing dynamic well yeah i mean Tyrion's dynamic with everybody is so interesting i just think it's a facet of his character he's able to reach an understanding with every single character he meets and he's able to kind of develop a connection. He doesn't get really too much wrapped up in politics or hate or anything like that. Like he feels all of those things, but he pretty much makes deals with every single person on the show that he meets. And he tends to like everyone that he meets. And it's so different from most of the show. Everyone's kind of dividing into political factions. And I always liked Tyrion because he was able to understand different characters and get these really interesting interactions out of them and make me like those characters more because it's like he's mm-hmm. taking the time to put the BS aside and, uh, and make a connection. And so the characters that he's more likely to connect with, just it, it makes the whole, that whole character that much more interesting. And I, I think that's For why sure. Tyrion is one of the best characters. And cause I think that way too, it's like, dude, I don't really care. Like what we, you know, we're, we're opposing ideas, but, I would much rather find some way to connect with you and work together than necessarily be at odds with each other and, and diss each other subtly all the time, like backhanded disses constantly. It's like, like, yes, let's acknowledge that exists, but let's also have a constructive uh, conversation. And that's kind of Tyrion's motto. And that's what kept him uh, alive for so long. I would say you said he, he doesn't get involved in politics. Obviously he gets involved in the, political machinations but he doesn't get involved in the lower level almost office politics right right (laughs) like he gets Uh, very involved in politics as the hand of the king and all of that but he also doesn't in that he doesn't recognize the formality of it and he likes people for people and he's interested more in the ideas of things and he he makes the effort to connect and he also, you know, shuts down and he, he's, you know, it's, it's really, he's just fantastic character. But my third pick, I hate that I could spend a whole 60 minutes talking too. about Tyrion. We'll have to have a separate Game of Thrones uh, discussion oh, because I'd I love, love to do that. I love Tyrion. Game of Thrones so much. characters? Yeah, we'd have to reread. I'd have to, like, do more research. But man, we could just exchange quotes the whole time because his words are poetry. <laughs> I could read Tywin quotes like all day long. Uh, Every, but, top uh, Game of Thrones quotes could be an episode. That's right. Charles, you're nailing it. 
what can I say? I'm on to my next pick, though. This pick is going to stray a little bit from the formula. It is still a, a, a basic bitch choice, but and not so basic <laughs> of, a, of, a, um, of a medium. I'm going into the world of graphic novels. Um, of course, I'm choosing one of the more popular modern graphic novels out there, if not the most popular. But what do I look for in a character, you might ask? Well, with, with this particular character personifies the thing I perhaps care about most in a character, and that is their realism and their believability, their diverseness, their complications. Like so many times, like especially in like a Lord of the Rings thing, it's like Aragon is good. He's the king. He leads men. Everyone likes him. He, he has no problems. Like he doesn't get into fights. He doesn't like get into relationship problems like his relationship problem is like oh i love an immortal elf princess what am i gonna do it's not like always getting caught up in that i really want to make out with this other chick because she's hot but i'm with her you know it doesn't get like that it doesn't get complicated It, it it's very much this epic and that's lord of the rings right you you give it that space but in moderns like having that existing for decades and decades modern fantasy has kind of departed from that and i think the real effort nowadays in modern writing is to create these characters that we can connect with in the modern day and we want to see people that are that are more complicated and more believable and so i couldn't think of a better series that has better more real characters than saga Um, and the character that i chose from saga is alana so that's For those of you pick. who may not know anything about what the heck I'm talking about, Alana, who is once described as, quote, dim, impulsive, and kind of a slut, she's one of the main characters of Saga, which is an ongoing sci-fi fantasy graphic novel series, who's, which was written by one of my favorite authors, just of all authors, Brian K. Vaughn, and then it was illustrated by Fiona Staples, who does an amazing job. Um, illustrating all the characters and it depicts it's it's about a husband and wife alana being the the wife and then her husband marco and they're from this long warring extraterrestrial races they're on two sides like romeo and juliet and they're they're fleeing authorities from both sides of this galactic war as they you know they're they're struggling to care for their daughter they fall in love and they give birth to this child who's half Alana's race, half Marco's race, and that's super controversial for the powers that be. Um, their child's birth defies the established order and essentially puts a target on their family's back from both sides of the war as they struggle just to make a normal life. And that's kind of the premise of this book. It's like, what if we told the story of Star Wars, but the main character was just some dude trying to survive on Tatooine and not Luke Skywalker (laughs) like Luke Skywalker might still exist but there's also just this family that's trying just to not get blown up so it's a really interesting point of view and Alana is the matriarch of the show she's um and what, what what makes her so good is that she starts out as a soldier and she has this love for reading and she starts to read this anti this this romance novel that was thinly a thinly veiled romance novel that was anti-war and she meets a man on the opposite side they fall in love it's just like a really interesting premise but what's interesting about alana is that she's so like normal and believable she has her faults she has her strengths she's not necessarily 
good at anything <laughs> like she's not like <laughs> she's not like the daughter of the king of her world she doesn't have any powers she's not epic in any way she's just trying to create a life for her family and for her daughter which is a very realistic thing um she's super funny uh, she's got a strong libido and she's very confident she's very unapologetic but she also is this hopeless romantic she's her compassion has gotten her in trouble in times but i mean she she's in a loving relationship with her husband but they go through their own problems like they go through this rough patch in their marriage and they and they even you know she at one point they get knocked up again and she gets an abortion. It's like all these crazy things that are happening that would happen to a person in real life if you stick around with them long enough. It happens to Alana and I can't recommend that series enough. Not just to people that read graphic novels, but to people that just read works of fiction. It is truly that good. It, it transcends the, the issues that a lot of people have with just graphic novels in general. It's really just a masterful um, work of art like I, I love that series I've reread those those um, volumes multiple times and every time I read about Alana and Marco's relationship it's like man these characters are more real than like a lot of like you know nonfiction books I've read it's just that much of a connection you have with the characters and one of the quotes like we were picking quotes and I was like what better quote for Alana than the first book and the first volume where she just it's a full page of just her face and she goes am i shitting it feels like i'm shitting <laughs> which is like <laughs> such an amazing way to set up this multi-volume epic i mean it's so <laughs> fitting that she, alana's just like on this dirty table giving birth to her daughter and talking about that she feels like she's shitting it's like such a crude humorous line that sets up our expectations perfectly for how saga plays out it's so memorable and it's it, it encapsulates her personality so well it's it's just when i think of saga like alana is one of the main core pieces of the of the themes of saga it's, i just i can't recommend it highly enough you did an awesome job explaining what makes both saga and alana so great it really is that idea that it seems like a, a very real person who is caught up in all of this just wackiness. And, and I think it's such an amazing depiction of uh, a mother as well. She's right. got these uh, very strong motherly instincts for protecting uh, her daughter. And her daughter is basically this uh, symbol for... <laughs> everything that both sides of this intergalactic war want to uh, get rid of right. and <laughs> she's uh, what's amazing is it really is this normal uh, mother who not just wants to protect her child from uh, the things that a typical mother has to protect their child from but from two giant empires that want <laughs> to destroy her child and she's uh, I don't know she's a really incredible character because it feels like you you 
know her, but she is in this crazy situation. That right, and I think you made a really interesting point by bringing up her motherhood. Like, she's a super interesting mom, and the whole idea of motherhood in fiction it's a really interesting depiction of that alone because yes, she has very strong maternal instincts, but she's also like the super punk chick and yeah. she has problems with drugs and she um, is not prepared in any way to be a mom. Like leading up to it, no one thought highly of her at all except for her husband and they would get into fights all the time. And she started working long hours and being absent in her relationship and she has you know she dies her her hair is dyed and it's like a really it's not like if you're gonna write a character that is a mom and like that's a huge part of her story you i've never read a character like this and like this is how moms really are like they're not defined necessarily by being moms they have these strong maternal instincts but they still are their own person and i think a huge theme of the show is how to it's like we have a family to think about now is what they say all the time and their attitude towards that line changes throughout the show like sometimes they get pissed when they say that to each other sometimes they yeah graphic novel and sometimes they um latch on to that phrase but it's always like how do we think about our family there's this traditional sense and then there's the sense of just trying to to exist and be yourselves it's like truly amazing can't recommend saga highly enough um is there anything else you wanted to mention about these characters before we close it i think we might actually do this um our our one hour ten minute goal here we're sitting right at an hour ten now oh that's a lot of pressure not to not to <laughs> say anything <laughs> if but you have I something will, really which epic. is <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't have anything that epic i'll just throw in that there's so many great characters in Saga, and Alana is uh, one of the best and just one of them. Right. There's so many characters I could have picked, like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, like so many characters I could have easily picked. But Alana's like one of the main characters, and she so personifies what the series is about. And like when I thought of the question, um, like this idea of what I look for in a character and this idea of this being real, real and believable. Like Alana is so her own person and so real and so unique that I just had to, had to pick her, but I highly recommend that series. I mean, all those characters are amazing. There's no one like her. No one like her yet. She's, there's many people that can relate to her at the same time. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. That's, man, this was a really tough undertaking, not to mention that, you know, we're we're not trying to to ramble on, but I think we did it. You know, I feel good about this. We covered six characters, six top tier characters for sure. I mean, we could have picked so many more, like there are so many honorable mentions out there. Uh, Maybe we'll just have to do this regularly, Um, come back to this Ah. question with new characters and just... uh, Keep it spicy, you know? Character spotlight episodes. Character spotlight episodes. Right. Yeah. We may even have to go back to some of these characters again because, like, man, I could just, I could just, let's just read Game of, let's just read the Tyrion chapters of Game of Thrones (laughs) (laughs) as a series. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, Charles, you're just spewing out content ideas during this episode. Well, good thing we're recording. We'll have to go back and write some of this down. But yeah, I, you know, this was your prompt, and I think it sparked a lot of good ideas. And I think for an episode three, it was good to kind of get to give people a sense of where we stand in terms of what we like, and you know, all said and done, this was a. This was a nice discussion. It got me excited to read more. Like, I really want to reread some of these things. <laughs> Do more buddy reading. Do more buddy reading. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, it has been our pleasure to talk with you all today about some of our favorite characters in fantasy sure to check us out next week we're going to talk about book two of the mistborn trilogy uh, wells of ascension you don't want to miss it continuing our buddy read of the mistborn series that's right we're gonna be it's our buddy reading episode um, i don't know if we ever said this but we're gonna try and alternate between buddy reading episodes and the general discussion episodes so this is, we did a buddy read last week this is general discussion. Charles. Buddy read next. Isn't there something you want to tell them to do? Man, you... Why, yes, there is something I want to tell them to do. Thank you for listening, and go forth and conquer, friends. Nailed it.